Amen and amen. Thank you, Nicole. Robbie, man, Nicole, you nailed it. What? Isn't it great when the people of God get together? Because you never know what the Lord is going to do. I mean, just the fearlessness of the people of God. You can sense the presence. Robbie and I got to officiate a, a wedding yesterday. Uh, and it was just an amazing event to see the Spirit of God. And you can ask, you can ask Robbie, man, the Spirit of God fell on that place. And it's just the boldness of the people of God when they come together. It's just like light pushes back darkness. And like the people of God just go crazy in the name of Jesus. I love when the people of God are fearless. And that's why we're in this series. And that's why, you know, it's great everybody's getting ready end of October and end of November and, and, you know, all the holiday season. But let me tell you what, there's no season like season in Jesus. That's all I got to say. When you get with the Spirit of God, He changes everything. And, and then when His people get together, they do crazy things. And that is why I love you, because I've told y'all, y'all are the ones, if it wasn't for Jesus and the Spirit of God in you, you were the ones in the party that broke something. Just tell the truth, shame the devil. Y'all were the ones... It started to fight. You were the ones that were flipping tables, not for Jesus, but we're going crazy. I love fearlessness. So, and, and, and when people get together, you know, things happen, like the old school flash mobs. Right? Do y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Flash mobs, people. It's when you get a group together and they're all doing one thing, things happen. And so I, I came across this video of this flash mob of these people in Japan, and there was like a hundred uh, man and woman flash mob, and they would just walk up on people and do something crazy. And so Brandy's going to show us this video, and I want you to see, uh, it's interesting, you're going to see like one man, he's not even affected by it. He's an older guy, you're going to see it right out the get-go. He's not even affected by it. This flash mob's running at him, he's just like, so everybody else freaks out. Uh, so check it out. <laughs> don't y'all get any ideas. I struggle showing that to y'all because y'all are just too crazy. I know what will happen. We'll get around Robbie to a flash mob and he'll lose his voice for a month. So uh, my point being, it's interesting that everybody freaked out but one person. Come on. The first person. Now, I'm not saying anything about age or anything like that, but the only person not to freak out was this older gentleman. Did you see him? He was like, I'm invisible. I'm invisible. And didn't even freak out. Why is that? Because there's something to be said about maturity. Come on, somebody. Some of the older people in the room, that's like all five of us. Come on. Right? Yeah. Hallelujah. Right? I mean, there's something to be said. Hebrews chapter 11. So if you got your phone, oh, by the way, all the notes are on Facebook. And if you look at Facebook, it'll be on the bottom left 
under like where the add-ins, where friends can add, and so you'll see it in there. You can check the message, message there. It, all the notes are there. Hebrews chapter 11. There's something to be said about being fearless. And so that older gentleman inspired me about being fearless. I want to start in verse 23 of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. Y'all know that this, this chapter uh, uh, is, is called the Hall of Faith. It's just a very interesting chapter in the middle of the sermon. Hebrews is nothing but a sermon. And you see that Jesus is better than, he's better than angels, he's better than Moses, he's better than all these things that are listed, he's better than any high priest, and then we get into people who have bought into Jesus. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, and in this hall of faith we talk about this wonderful man, Moses. Verse 23 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. And you know why? Because the Pharaoh was trying to kill him. Because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, I'm telling you, somebody, something to be said about when the Spirit of God comes on people and makes us fearless. Love you. Verse 24, by faith Moses, when he had, what's the next word? Grown up, hence that older gentleman. When he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ is greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he led Egypt. Again, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people pass through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Father, I thank you that there's only one way we can go, and that's the name of Jesus. So I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock, my redeemer. I pray that my hands will be clean, my soul, Lord, is not lifted up any idol, and that whatever comes to me, Lord, I step back, you step up, I step down, uh, Lord, so you can be seen. I just want to get out of the way so that the presence of Jesus can be seen, felt, and heard, and displayed. And I don't want to come with any wise and persuasive words. I don't want to come with any fancy isms or colloquialisms. I don't want to come with any pithy statements, Lord. I just want to come with the power, a demonstration of the power of the Spirit, so that men and women's faith will not rest on anybody except Jesus. And that is our prayer, Lord, today. Please forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for my selfishness. Forgive me, Lord, for anything that would be in the way from your sweet, kind presence to speak to us. So we humble ourselves today. We open ourselves to you, Lord, and you do whatever you want. You are the king. Have your way. Break down any wall, any barrier, because not even the greatest barrier, the gates of hell and death itself can stand in the way of our champion, Jesus. So we love you and praise you. And God's people said, what? Amen. So here's the idea behind this. The gospel makes us fearless. If you look there with me in verse 24, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, say grown up, when he had grown up, this is what's interesting. The gospel makes us fearless in the Holy Spirit. Uh, when we grow up. In other words, spiritual maturity. The more that we rest in the presence and promises of Jesus, the more we become fearless. The more we don't worry about what other people say, the more we don't worry about circumstances. I have watched many of godly great saints, I am telling you, watch when their loved ones have died or when they were dying or whatever else was going in the darkest hour of their night i have watched them stand on the victory of the cross 
I have watched it. It has been displayed. And I want to tell you today that the more you stand with Jesus, the more we don't care what anybody else thinks. And that's where I want to live. And that's where I want to stay. And it's not because of any place of pride. It's got to be a place where Jesus is my sole focus. So what does this maturity look like? What is it? I, I, listen, I'm a visual learner and, and a tactile learner. I, I'm a kinesthetic. I, I'm hands-on for all you educators out there. Like, I have to do it to learn it. Uh, I can't just read about it. I'm not smart enough to, to, to visualize it that way in my mind. I, I'm not smart enough just to have an auditory experience. I have to see a picture. So let's look at some pictures of what it looks like, how the Holy Spirit uses the gospel to grow us up. What is this picture? Here's the first picture. Ready? If you're taking notes, here we go. Number one, or it's online, Facebook, Summit Church. Here we go. First picture of spiritual maturity. When we grow up, we refuse uh, to be known by anything else other than Jesus. We refuse to know anything or anyone else other than Jesus. Look with me in verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused. Uh, the, the word grown there means, it's the Greek word megas. Uh, you can see where we get the word mega from, right? It, it's that idea. It's, it's this idea of belonging to something that's highly esteemed of great importance. In, in other words, instead of belonging to Pharaoh's daughter or the house of Pharaoh, he says, I'm going to belong to God. And I'm going to belong to his covenant. So I can either, we can either grow up in the world and be savvy by the world, or as Jesus would say, those people are of the world, whereas believers are in the world. They're not just of the world. They're not identified like the world. Or we can grow up, that is, belong, and become a person of influence for Jesus. So we have those two dichotomies. And, and yes, sometimes they're juxtaposed side by side, but, but nonetheless, they're there. And so we have a chance. What are we going to do? But I want you to see that he refused. Now, in the Greek, I want you to understand this word. The word refuse means to deny someone so he's interesting. Moses is denying the house of Pharaoh, but he's also, it means to deny oneself. See, in other words, when we refuse to know anything else other than Jesus, there's two places of refusal. There's two battlegrounds. There's the outside world that says we have to refuse what the world can give us, but we also have to refuse what our selfish desires want. Can I get a witness? Like our selfish desires want something. I want that relationship now. I want this now. Like we just have to say, Lord, whatever it is, I believe that you're going to be more satisfying. And then what you're going to give is more satisfying than anything else. Just like at that wedding yesterday, this couple was in their 30s and they both waited to get married. And so they had had some long, lonely nights. And I, and I said, you know, I said this in the, in, in, the, in the wedding because we had talked about it in our premarital sessions. I had said this. I said, look, now there's no more goodbyes. There's only good nights. It's pretty powerful when you think about it. In the Lord, there's no more goodbyes. It's just, okay, I'm going to lay myself down to sleep. Lord, you got it. I'll see you in the morning. By your grace, you give me the ability to wake up. I see in, my, in other words, it's that relationship. It's to deny someone and oneself. It's disregards own interest, your, our own interests, and to prove everything else false. It's not accept what comes our way. He refused. He refused. I love this. He refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, here's what's interesting. The New American Standard, which is what I cut my teeth on, that, that Bible version, says refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Listen, the world is calling us something. Are, are y'all tracking me? The world is going to call you. Things are calling you, they're calling me. And we have a choice. We have a choice in the Lord. I believe in free will. As much as I believe in the sovereignty of God, I do believe in the free will of man to some degree. It's limited though it might be, but it is still an element of it. And so my point is, is that there has to be where is Jesus sweeter or is the world? Who am I going to be called by? 
I'm going to be called by this job? Am I going to be called by this educational degree? Like a doctor, am I going to be called by this person's spouse? As I'm going to be called by this person's parent? Am I going to be called by this person's grandchild? I'm going to be called by this hometown or this high school or this university or this job? What am I going to be called by? My prayer is that all of us in this room will be called by one name. If all people say is they, look, man, John's untrained and unlearned. But if he'd been with Jesus, and if that's all I'm called by, then that's good enough for me. How about you? Is the Lord going to, what are you going to be called by? I mean, somebody's trying to call us, but we got to be refused to be called because, see, there's a lot of voices coming at you right now. There are a lot of voices. But John 10, 3 through 5, and this is our prayer for us today. This is my prayer. The watchman, talking about Jesus, this is, this is allegory. The watchman opens the gate for him. He's talking about sheep and, and, and the watchman. The watchman opens the gate for him. And the sheep, and the sheep, what's the next word, saints? I don't know if it's up there. What is it? Listen to his voice. Jesus is calling. You and I can be called by whatever we want to be called by. Or we can be called by what Jesus wants to call us by. I want to tell you, go ahead and get a job. Go ahead and get a job. You're a believer. Go ahead and get a job and t- pick a career path that you want compared to what God wants. And I promise you, it will be a trail of tears. I promise you. You might get to where you get to and where you want to get to, but there'll be a lot of carnage on the way, including yourself. And it's hard to submit to the Lord because our flesh wages war with the spirit the bible says but there's calling there's a voice that's so strong that's going to talk to us and his name's jesus my sheep and the sheep listen to his voice he calls his own sheep by name moses could have been called the son of pharaoh's daughter that name he could have had his egyptian name but he chose to receive his hebrew name You and I have a choice. What name do we want to receive? He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. You know, sometimes we're not led by Jesus is because we don't recognize the name he's called us. I'll give you an example. You know, John, you, what you mean by all this? You're speaking all this fuzzy language. Let me just say this. Well, when you're broken and Jesus says you're healed, sometimes you don't follow the way of healing because you want to sit in your... Sometimes God says it's okay where you are in wherever relationship status you're in, but you don't want to hear that, so you just say, no, I, I want to sit in this place of frustration when Jesus is calling you into a place of deliverance. When, when God is saying, when Jesus is saying, this is the way, walk in it, when he whispers that behind your ear, Isaiah, and he whispers that behind, but you don't want to receive that, and I don't want to receive that. So sometimes we don't recognize the name that he's calling us because we don't believe that's the name that he's called us by. Oh, I, I'm just, no, I, there's, I can't serve the Lord. I got too much, I got too much on me. I, my life is not right. I want to say something. If your salvation depends on you getting your life right, then what's the blood of Jesus got to do with anything? Come on. Let's talk back. We, we at Summit. Right? I mean, what's the blood of Jesus? If if Jesus didn't, if if I could make myself ready for God to use me, then what's the blood of Jesus even needed? Why is that even needed? Because it's the blood of Jesus. I'm never ready to preach. I'm never ready to pastor. I'm never ready to lead. I'm never, never, my life is never in that place. But if it wasn't for Jesus, if it wasn't for the gospel of Jesus, if it wasn't for the power of the blood, when he is, verse 4, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. Don't you love when Jesus leaves straight wheel tracks? Right, John the Baptist said, Baptist said, made straight the way of the Lord. Remember, I taught you all this. It's like walking in snow, and you just replace your feet in the feet of Jesus, and you just walk. That's how, that's how I walk my life. That's how I live. Okay, next step, Jesus. If you're not going that way, I ain't going. Now, I can go this way and make my own path. 
And it might seem a little quicker to me. It might seem a little better to me. It might not seem as deep in the snow. It might not lead me to that warmer fire quicker, whatever else I want in my life. But Jesus is saying, no, you're going to go this way because maybe there's somebody you've got to encounter to serve and to love and maybe even suffer for so that they will see me. But say, I don't want to go that way because I see I can get over there. You know, it's much easier for me to date that person because that person is ready and available. But the person you have for me, God, I can't even see. But I can see that one. So I'd rather go to the one I can see and the one I can't see. The problem with the one that you go to when you go to that person that you can see, and it's about 10 years, you won't see him anymore. I went there. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. That's my heart's cry. God, I don't want to follow a stranger. Stranger danger, Winnie the Pooh. I don't want to follow a stranger. Listen, if somebody is in your life and they're not drawing you closer to Jesus, then the only reason they're in your life is for you to draw them closer to Jesus, not for them to draw you away from Jesus. And so if you're letting them in the door of intimacy in your life, then I just want to tell everybody here, if they're not drawing you closer to Jesus, they are not, let's just go ahead and speak prophetically, they are not from Jesus. Let's just say it. Oh, that's just, that's just harsh, John. Just harsh. Just harsh. You're just being very blunt today. That's, that ex-football coach and you're just coming out. It's not sensitive language, John. You know, you know why I can't be sensitive anymore? Because I'm tired of seeing brokenness. I just can't take it anymore. I can't take the hurt and pain seeing people. I'm tired of seeing people suffer. I'm tired of seeing people hurt. I'm tired of seeing people. I'm tired of, because I look at it and I'm just like, Lord, you know, it is so hard to trust God. Listen, I know, but I want to tell you something. As a middle-aged dude, don't judge me. As a middle-aged dude, I can tell you when I was preaching and never got a penny. And I can tell you when I was preaching and all of a sudden I was rolling in cash. $900 a month. $900, people. Rolling. Driving up in my old broken up Bentley. No, I didn't have Bentley, but I've been nice. But I mean, and then, but every, but as I stay faithful to pastoring, God has never, so he might have given it through my uh, money, come through my in-laws, come through y'all, come through somebody else. I've had people walk in the door and just say, God told me to give you money. Boom, there's my house payment. That's how I paid that money. I, but I want to tell you something. I have never ever, 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 ever been forsaken. And every year, it just gets better. Just gets better trusting him. Because if he hadn't let me down then, he won't let me down now. But I just got to stay in his voice. See, spiritual maturity, spiritual maturity is I refuse to be known with any other name other than Jesus. I said, I just, I can't, I can't go with it. Now, I can hang out with people. I can have fun with people. I can even go and, and, and love on them. But I'm going to tell you what, there's a level, there's a level of intimacy I can't cross because I'm too intimate. It would be cheating on Jesus. And I don't want to cheat on him because he's way too valuable. Verse 5, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him. Hmm, that's a strange, that's a strange. They will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. You know, you've seen all this stuff on, on social media where the people take little candy and stuff, right? And they're getting all the little kids. Y'all say how easy it is to abduct a kid. Y'all have seen all that stuff, right? You know, what's, you know what's amazing to me? That the lure of candy is greater than the parent's voice. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Am I scratching where you're itching? Listen, if, if I won't can, y'all don't even know about that song. That's, y'all don't even know. Like, you just, I just got to get with my, get with my middle-aged people. I love you. Yeah, I says, Coach Padilla in the back, that's for you, bro. East L.A. language. And so, I'm just saying, you know, Coach Padilla would be driving around with his little phoenix on the front and got a little bobblehead in the car, like, going like that. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Chop shop down the road. Um, it, you know, but my point is, is that, you know, it, it's easy to be drawn away by the lure of candy. It's easy to be drawn away. It's what, it's what I can have right now compared to trusting what I can have then. It's just a struggle. But it's the presence of God. It's that older man in that video just walking. He was, I'm impressed. That dude's not, I bet you that was Bruce Lee's granddaddy. 
I mean, he must have been. Because, like, they're going, ah! He's like, I ain't got no time for that. Got my bag, let's roll. I mean, I want to walk fearless like that. In the face of the enemy, it's kind of a funny video, but in the face of the enemy, don't you want to walk like that in the face of death? Don't you want to walk like that in the face of tragedy and say, I am hurting and I am in pain and I am in sorrow, but I want to say something, Lord. Your word says sorrow will come in the night, but something else better is going to come in the morning and that's going to be joy and I'm going to trust in that. You see, they run away, but people don't run away. We don't run away from the sin line. We just get close to the sin line. But they do not run away, recognize a stranger's voice. What does it mean to know his voice? That word know means belonging devoted to it's from the greek word listen that word there know his voice that word know his voice in verse 4 of john 10 verse 4 know his voice it means the root word means family lilo and stitch people family means what yeah yeah no one gets what when you know jesus's voice it means you never get left behind. It means your family. The word know in Greek means family. The very root word of that Greek word is family, oikos, family. When Jesus says, I know his voice, Jesus is saying that I, that we are family. That's why, come on, some of you in this room, that's why there's some people in this room that are closer to you. Can I just get a witness? There's some people in this room that are closer to you than your own flesh and blood. Right? Come on. You're, you're closer. You're closer to some people in this room than you're closer to anybody in your family. Because you see, flesh and blood don't make the connection. It's the Spirit. So that's what it looks. That's the picture. Then the second picture, I'm just going to book through this. The second picture is this, a spiritual maturity is when we've grown up, we'll, be, we'll sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. In other words, he, he, he didn't want to be called by that name. He didn't want to be identified with that family because he wanted to be identified with the presence of God. So that's one phase of, of spiritual maturity is we refuse to know any other name but Jesus. But then the second one is when we are spiritually mature, when we're grown up, then we will sacrifice. We see the value of sacrifice. Right, Coach Padilla? Refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. The word mistreated in the NIV here, in the New American Standard, it says endure ill treatment. Let me tell you what it means. It means this, share persecutions. The, listen, I'm going to tell you when you follow Jesus and his presence means more to you than anybody else, when that becomes, the name of Jesus becomes my name, right? Uh, uh, every time I take uh, the Lord's Supper, which we've got November 1st coming up, every time we take that, so get ready, every time we take that, that means that we're saying Jesus, the blood represents, the wine cup represents your, your blood, so your life, blood represents life, your life is my life, so every time I identify myself by that name, now he's consumed me now he's satisfied me now i can go and live a life of sacrifice and god is going to call you and i to places and friendships and relationships and degrees and people that we're going to live by and we're going to say no to jobs that the world says yes but we're not identified with the calling of the world we're identified with the calling of jesus so it's not going to make sense your life will not make sense to anybody outside of believers what you do will not make sense because you're going to come along people and be treated bad willfully with them. Now, either they won't like you because you're ministering to them or you'll be in a situation where people around you won't like them because they're getting mistreated. But nonetheless, God's calling us into that place. My sheep know my voice, family. And God is saying, I want them part of my family. And you're going to be Jesus in the skin to them. You're going to be the Bible that they don't read. You are going to be the presence of the Holy Spirit that, that, so they can feel me, so they can hear me, so they know what it looks like. And you and I are going to walk in those places of brokenness. That's just the life that we live. That's the life of a believer. When you are spiritually mature, you accept the fact that we will suffer and sacrifice. When we suffer, that means we sacrifice. We take less so that somebody else can have more. We step down so others can step. 
Are y'all tracking me today? Or you need a donut? All right, all right, just want to make sure. In other words, it's from the root word to oppress. Mistreated is from the root word to oppress. In other words, we come alongside people that are oppressed. And we become oppressed with them because we know that there is a Jesus and the government will be on his shoulders and we're underneath, his, we're underneath Jesus' shoulders so we can come along those oppressed people and not feel the weight of the oppression because Jesus is caring. Come on, somebody. He's carrying our oppression. That's what it is to be beautiful. And notice this. I love this. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. We don't just sacrifice alone. Somebody says, I'm just sacrificing for God. I'm saying 55,000 prayers a day. I'm living in this monastery over here. I don't have contact with people except vegetables. I watch VeggieTales, and they are my people. That's ridiculous. That's odd for God. That's borderline. You're crazy. What I'm trying to say is that's not what God's calling us to. God calls us to people. He's calling us to love and make a difference in the lives of people. So we don't just sacrifice alone. So that's the second picture is we will sacrifice when you're grown up. Ready? Picture number three. Okay? Oh, picture number three. Robbie, can you come play with me? Because I, I might. I'm, uh, this, is, this is where I'm going to fall out. All right, so. Picture number three. Man, y'all got to lay it. Jenna, come on, lay them keys down. Y'all, y'all do something. Like we got to create an atmosphere of movement, of movement. Uh, so, you, you know, the reason why I say Coach Padilla in the back, a lot of y'all know him. The reason why I say that is because Coach Padilla could be a lot of other places, but he chooses to sacrifice and stay here for less money and less everything else because, because he and I have had long, how many, I mean, how many talks? Come on, Coach Padilla, we've had thousands of talks about it. But the reason why is because God's calling him. Coach Bob, why are you here? Why are you sacrificing time for your family? I mean, we could say that because you're a successful businessman in the upper state, but you choose to come and you're here and you're constantly sacrificing. God, God called you to Coach Chavel and you give your life away. Why? Because you're willing to take less so that somebody else could have more. And that is the beauty. That's called spiritual maturity. And that's where the presence of Jesus is so satisfying to you that even in the midst of your weakness you can't shake the presence of Jesus like I can't shake him listen when I was officiating that funeral I mean funeral that wedding yesterday that's bad I almost messed up some people it is a funeral uh, trust me, I've been in a couple, I'm like, oh gosh, it's going to end in death alright, so let me prophesy uh, just joking, we're family and so I'm in that wedding and Robbie, Robbie will tell you, we were just going like, Robbie, we were going nuts, weren't we? Like, when you were singing, he sang three songs. I mean, they were, he and Sarah Altman and his brother Jordan, they were knocking it out, people knocking it out. And so I'm getting up there, and let me tell you, I, he was my witness. By the middle way through now, we got people saying amen. We got hands being raised. They're talking, come on. Listen, I didn't need but one amen to get me going. But when you got about 30 or 40 in that crowd, 50 in that crowd, 80 in that crowd, starting to say stuff, starting to talk back, and the other halves just sitting there, listen, we just took over that place. People coming up to me afterwards. I had one lady come up to me. And, and I asked her, I said, do you know the Lord? And she's like, no. She said, but that's the most incredible thing I, you know, I've seen. And I just, it's Jesus. Like if you think the, that, that a marriage, worship, is incredible how much more when you get into the presence of Jesus even more mind-blowing mind-blowing and that's what we can't shake taste and see that the Lord is good I mean there's enough people on the outside saying ah Jesus now see they haven't tasted Jesus the third picture of spiritual maturity when we grow up only the work only the work of Christ has meaning. I, look, go back to the verse. Go back to the verse. 24. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I mean, do I want to be known as a great coach or a great athlete or a great student or a great grandparent? Or what do I want to be known by? Or should I be known by somebody who follows Jesus. But only the work of Christ has meaning. So he says, refuse to be known as 
the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. That word fleeting there means passing. It literally means for a season. You know what blows me away when we've got so many athletes in this room? You know what blows me away? Right now, if you're in season, you're in the thick of it. But guess what? As soon as the season's over, everybody's looking to the next season. Because you see, one season in the world does not constitute lifelong satisfaction. Because there always has to be another season. There always has to be another degree. There always has to be another uh, career move. There always has to be another or better relationship. There's there's not enough seasons to satisfy is what I'm telling you. Because it's fleeting. Everything in this world is fleeting except Jesus Christ. My relationship with my wife is fleeting fleeting compared to the riches of Jesus. She is part of the riches of Jesus given to me but the reason why she is with me is not because she but because of he. I get a blessing. The Bible says if you find a wife you're blessed. I read that this morning. It, it, it's, that's the idea behind that. It's the idea is that every good gift comes from the Father of lights where there's no variation or shifting in shadows. James 1. In other words, he chose, look at this, he chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sins. He realized, listen to this, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. In other words, as John Piper would say, our relationship with God and our living out of our relationship with God, that is to the place that he calls us, that we will sacrifice who we are so others can step up. Listen, the reason why that happens, that is what we were made for. There's nothing else that will satisfy you. 25 years in a marriage, 50 years in a marriage, where you try to become one with a person on your own will not satisfy you like Jesus. What we were made for is to be known and loved and live for him. That's what we're made for. It's what you're made for in this room. So today, when you walk out of here, man, this is why I love corporate worship. We just draw closer to the Lord and we experience His presence. Listen, today, what are you willing to trade? Man, he realized it's nothing but fleeting. Only the work of Christ has meaning. Listen, the word there, disgrace, in verse 26, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ. The word disgrace means undeserved shame. See, here's what's great. Let me just explain it. Y'all ready? This is really good. You ready? This is really good. Oh, gosh. By the way, I love this book. It's an older book. Well, it's not too old. Gospel by J.D. Greer. Adam and Eve were in the garden. Listen, and they were naked people. There's nothing wrong with being naked. Some of you are like, what? He just say that? What? You'll get the context in a minute. So don't go out here and do a flash mob of nudity and say, my pastor said it's hard to be naked. We're running across Coach Chavel's game and next week, ah! get you in trouble, you're going to be locked up. I ain't coming to see you. But they were naked, which, it's interesting. Why is it that they were naked in the presence of God, then when they sinned and ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, their immediate response was to hide from God and to feel their nakedness? Is the point not having clothes? That's not the point. The point is, is they realized that not having clothes brought a feeling of shame. Are y'all tracking me? Is everybody with me? What I mean by that is, is they felt shame. For the first time in the presence of God, they felt shame. Listen, I love what he wrote because I'm, uh, I love church history. Y'all know that's where my degrees are in. He said, the early church fathers, these are studs, by the way, Gregory of Nazianz, a stud, and Athanasius, who was one of my heroes, explained that prior to their sin, Adam and Eve had been clothed 
in the love of the presence of God. Mm, come on, somebody. When you feel loved, let me break it down for you. For all the people that ain't married in the room, let me break it down for you. When you feel loved by your spouse, you don't ever have to put on clothes. Now, I know some of you are saying, John, I don't want a visual of certain people without clothes on. I, I, that's why you're not called to marry them. But my point is, think about it. When you, come on now, you know, some of y'all are getting visuals. That scares me. When you love somebody, all right, I'll get real. My wife doesn't care if I have any clothes on, Robbie. And I wanted you to think about that. <laughs> You're going to burn for that. Um, so, my point is, is the reason why that she's okay with that is because this is not what she's in love with. This is what she's in love with. Because this is changing. And the people that are getting older understand you can't stop it. But what you can stop is this. That's what it means to be clothed in the love of the Lord. And because there was sin in the world, people feel shame. But God sent His Son, Jesus, who was perfect and beautiful and called the Word of God, the wisdom of God, who was with God when the world was created and spoke the world into existence, humbled himself from the very essence of God and took on this broken outward flesh and humbled himself and became him a man. And though he was sinless, he considered the work of God to be the only value in the world. And so what he did is he took our shame from our sins on him. Scripture says he's a man of sorrows. He took our shame. He took our beatings. He took our mockings. He was mocked before the cross. He was mocked in his ministry. And he was mocked on the cross. He was mocked at his death. He was even mocked around his resurrection. But he took our shame. Galatians 3.13, one of the most beautiful scriptures in all of the Bible says this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He took our shame and removed every obstacle, as John Piper would say. Because of our sin, we deserve the wrath of God. God's wrath was his obstacle to us. Our sin that brought shame was our obstacle to him and Jesus took on our sin and he took God's wrath and stood in the gap and bore the curse for us. So today, we get to receive the mercy of the Lord. And I want you to know that everything that you have in this life, if you can run a 4-4-40, it is the mercy of God. Ask athletes who've gotten injured. If you're academically astute in your teaching, 
And that's your major? It is the mercy of God that God gave you a merciful heart to be around some of those kids. Because we all know there's a lot of people in this world that don't like kids because of the way they treat their own kids. They don't even wake them up. They don't even feed them. They don't even clothe them. They don't care. They're just using them for government substance. Come on, somebody. You know I'm telling the truth. And God has given you a merciful heart. God has given you ability in your CrossFit to get in that community and show the mercy of God that there's power greater than any amount of weight or lift or time that could be done. Jesus took every curse for us and he bore our shame and he bore our sorrows and he bore the wrath of God so that we could live. We get mercy. Is there anybody in here today that needs mercy? I mean, Robbie, that's what I want them to know. I want them to know, does anybody just need mercy? My breath that I receive is mercy. The opportunity to preach I receive is mercy. Opportunity to pastor and love and give, it's all mercy. It's mercy that a coach is here with you. It's mercy that you are here with them. It's mercy that we are here together. This is what we are made for, to be people of mercy because we have been given Remember the parable? Come on. Remember the man who begged the king because he owed him a lot of money and the king forgave his debt, right? And then he went and found a guy who owed him just a little bit amount of debt and he got all mad at God, shook the guy, threw him in jail. Remember that? And then the king found out about it and came and took that man and put him in jail because he was unmerciful because he had been forgiven so much. We have been forgiven so much, yet we hold on to such little sins that other people commit against us, and we can't forgive them, though our sins are great. You say, but John, I didn't sin. A, I don't really sin a whole lot. I want you to know it's not what you've done that, 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 that creates a big chasm between God, but it's who you sin against that creates a big chasm. Then the Lord showed me this this morning. Y'all know my quiet times. I read through Scripture. I've already read through the Bible this year, so I start again. The Old Testament, New Testament. I'm in Matthew. In the Old Testament, already in Leviticus. Watch this. This is what the Lord showed me this morning. Leviticus 9, 23 through 24. People say you can't get out of anything out of Leviticus. Better watch out. So, they set up the, the tabernacle, which is a foreshadowing of the temple. It's a tent. They set up, set up the tabernacle, and, and God has told Moses, all right, now I want you to anoint uh, Aaron and his sons. It's going to take seven days. They're going to cleanse them, and then people are going to see me in this. And so they, they go through the sacrifices and, and, and put the sprinkle of blood the way God told them to do it, and God is getting ready to publicly show the, these, the sons of Aaron, and Aaron himself are going to be my priests. Listen, listen, listen. This is how he showed his priests now. Come on, somebody. Verse 23, Leviticus 9. Here's why I would land in the plain. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. They met with God. They met with God. You and I today corporately are doing what? We're meeting with who? Come on. You don't believe it. The people that come here know it. The people that kneel know it. Because they believe. And Jesus said that it's faith. Jesus is amazed by faith, much faith. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people and the glory. They blessed the people. They became agents of mercy, right? They became agents of mercy. This is what you get. We're going to bless you, though you don't deserve it, though you're people that grumble against us, though you're people that complain against us, though you're people that rebel against us and wants to stone us. We're going to bless you. They bless those people. They choose to sacrifice with them. They choose to be oppressed with them. They, the glory of the, of the Lord appeared to all the people. Now check this out. Here it is, saints. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. And this is what the Lord showed me. John, the reason why Aaron and Moses didn't get burned up because the sacrifice was burned up. That was really good. Break it down for you. The reason why we don't die is because Jesus did. He's our sacrifice so we can meet with God. That's the good news of the gospel. Yep, forgiveness of sins. Yep, the imputed righteousness of Jesus. We get all of his righteousness. He's not just making us right as Jeremy Pollock would say, the N.T. right. We get his righteousness. And we get eternal life. But that's not the point of the gospel. 
Dr. Piper would say the point of the gospel is that we get Jesus, the presence of God. Right now we can taste his Holy Spirit. Who needs mercy? Do you need to say, Lord, give me strength to give mercy to this person? Lord, how about renew me in some mercy so I can continue to live out? Lord, help me be a picture. Help me to be a picture of someone who's mature like Moses to reject the things of the world and live for the things of you. And whatever you've blessed me with talent-wise, whatever you've blessed me with financially-wise, whatever you've blessed me with look-wise or anything else-wise or academic-wise, whatever it is, I don't care if it's this small or this big. By the way, if you're faithful in this much, God says, in this little, God says you'll be faithful over that much. So here it is. God, I'm just going to give it to you, but I need you to give me mercy to get me through it. Is that you today that need to come forward? Is that you need to pray? Is that you, you that need to come down and ask the Lord to give you strength to forgive that person or live for the Lord in this circumstance or be bold in this situation or whatever that you're in? Where do you need mercy today? God will give it. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, let me just tell you something. He was the one who stood in the gap. Moses and Aaron did not die because the sacrifice did. And the sacrifice was consumed by fire because God took all of it as acceptable and that's what he did in Jesus. He took all of him as acceptable so we can be accepted because we were not because of our sin and we know that we've sinned because we feel shame but that's why there's no there's therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus there's no shame because Christ took it all do you want some of that if that's you today there'll be people right here to pray with you there'll be people come and pray over you but if you need mercy salvation it's time to come and deal with the Lord. Father, that's our prayer. That's our prayer. Who needs to just come and ask the Lord for some mercy? Just God, just give me mercy in this situation. Give me mercy in this strength. Give me mercy is whatever I'm going to do today, Lord. Whatever, Lord, will I'm going to do tomorrow and this week. I just need some mercy. I need mercy in my coaching. I need mercy in my teaching. I need mercy in my being a husband or being a wife, a parent or being a student or being in a relationship or being single. I need mercy. I need mercy to forgive. I need mercy to be bold. I need mercy to stand strong for you. Whatever it is, Lord, I need your mercy. Lord, I pray today for everyone that's coming forward. Will they not only hear a word from God, but sense the presence of God, that your mercies are new every morning, and you're pouring it out on us because of Jesus Christ. He has satisfied everything that come against us, that was against us, so now you are for us, and we have a fulfilled life full of mercy and grace and truth. Fill them, Lord. Answer their prayers. Let them sense and feel your presence. And for those in this room that have never surrendered their life to Jesus, I have one question. How's it working for you? How is it working for you? Because the answer is, it's not working because there's no Jesus. But if I have Jesus, whether it works or not, I don't need it because I have him. Pray that they will come and kneel and be bold and tell us, I received Jesus today. Lord, this is our prayer. We humbly come before you. We love you. You are so good. Lord, we want to walk away from anything that the world has to offer and walk to the one who created the world, who has everything to offer. We walk to you now. Jesus, our Lord.